2: Episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a sports bar we love. If you listen to this pod, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans makes that experience even better. Obviously, catching a game at the house on your own is fine. I've done it for decades, but watching a game in a spot that lets you scream and cheer and just generally lose your shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun. COVID took that from us for a while, but the ACO has given it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, not just the parking spots in front. Their entire side street created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge TVs, and their full complement of great service, food, and drinks. It's big It's comfortable. It's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes, the NFL playoffs, or really any other sport with other fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's pretty family friendly. I can roll here with friends and get too fired up, or I can go with my wife and kid and simply enjoy a game while also having brunch. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors. And we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again.
0: We're gonna bring y'all to our huddle.
2: You are in the Warriors huddle with me, Graham. Kind of an emergency podcast today. So no Marcus, no Maxine, but I'm fired up to announce rejoining me after way too long. The former Golden State beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, the current West Coast specialist for NBA.com, and a man who wanted to make me relive the fucking LeBron nightmare, what, like two weeks ago or something, for no reason at all. Mr. Mark Medina, what's going on, Mark?
3: Bram, well, you know what? Two weeks after the fact, I will give you the play-by-play of LeBron James' amazing 56-point performance against the Lakers. Hey, you, you know what? What depressing news do you want to talk about? LeBron James's masterpiece against the Dubs, or Steph Curry's injury? You know I mean, I'm pick fragile your fragile right out. now, Mark.
2: You know I'm fragile. I can't. I can't take these punches, dude. Just not right now. And to add a little bit of levity before we go into depression land, talking about Steph, just for some background. So, Mark and I enjoy a friendship. Um, every now and again, I'll reach out see how he's doing. No, you know, stranger to us. And I did that. I think like last week. Asked him how he was, and his response was, I'm great. Would you like my play-by-play of my upfront and personal experience with LeBron? And I think my answer was, fuck no. You know, just just to to give you a glimpse into our back and forth. Were you trying to hurt me with that, man? You can be honest now.
3: You know what? I can never resist the uh, opportunity to throw some jabs. But it was in context of, hey, you're asking me on the pod. We're figuring out what dates. And it's like, hey, I had literally just seen the Warriors in person at, uh, in Los Angeles against the Lakers when LeBron, you know, dropped a 56-point Nuggets, so I was like, hey, hey I can you- give you all the color inside intel. This,
2: that you is, not, this is not the uh huddle, man. I, I, I'm going to need you to, to back off on that, but I, I'll tell you what, you know, jokes aside, we have kind of I don't even want to say somber. We have an interesting setting for today's podcast. We are less than 12 hours removed from uh, a Steph Curry injury and less than, I don't know, four or five hours removed from finding out that he is now indefinitely going to be absent from the Warriors roster. Um, We haven't heard anything from the team, but I saw something from Woj suggesting that the earliest Steph would be back from what they're calling left foot soreness was about mid-April. Um, and looking at the schedule, mid-April is after the start of the playoffs. Playoffs start April 6th. So we've got quite a, uh, a scene in front of us, and I needed your help. This will not be a surprise. I've been all over the board. You know, what's what's the, uh, the five stages of grief? You know, like I was in like denial. I don't think I've hit acceptance yet. I went through anger. I am in a very unsettled place. So we're going to need your neutrality and your, you know, just general maturity here. Um, And I'll show you why. Here's our first question. I'm putting this right. our, Our only segment today is five golden. And more than that, I'm only going to ask three golden questions. They all have to do with Steph. Here's our first. Was that play from Marcus Smart dirty in your opinion?
3: It was not dirty. Um, I will take Steve Kerr's phrase that it was dangerous, but I don't think that there was any intent at all. I don't fault Marcus Smart for diving on the floor. Like it was a loose ball. You want to have a guy that gets the 50-50 balls. I would also argue that Steph Curry should have been diving on the floor, but I also don't fault him for not. It was just a very frenetic play, and you know it's just instincts and timing. So I don't think there was any intent, clearly, his dive is what caused the injury. Um, I hold Marcus Smart more uh, at fault for what happened on the subsequent play against Clay Thompson, where when you know, he, he karate was, kicked him for yes, when, when, when he when he karate kicked him. Yes, generally, I don't think Marcus Smart is dirty. Um, you know, I don't think that was intentional either. Um, you know, Warrior fans might appreciate the analogy. It's almost like Zaza Pachulia, where. There no. is a clumsiness to it. Oh, no, I completely yes. disagree. Well, how do you disagree? Here's You're how. saying that Zaza, here's how. is not clumsy.
2: Here's how. I'm, I'm going to give you, here's how I disagree. And what I'm disagreeing about is the comparison between what Zaza did and what Marcus Smart did. And I'm going to do it with another analogy. I, this is a shock. I don't think Marcus Smart was dirty on that play. Shocking, right? Here's what I think he fucking was Reckless. And let me explain why. And I did say it was dangerous. I know, I know. Look, I'm I'm glad you said it. But here's my analogy. And it's this morning and it's from my personal life and it's random as hell. All right, so my daughter is six. She is just starting to achieve independence. She's pretty bad at it. But one of the things she's doing as an independent kid is she pours herself a bowl of cereal, carries that bowl of cereal over to to the table. This morning, does that, puts milk in it, the whole nine yards. Mark, she must have seen a cartoon where she watched a fancy waiter carry a bowl up by holding <laughs> up, So she takes that bowl. She puts it way up above her shoulder and is walking over to the table. Mark, we don't have a rule in our house that says how you carry cereal, right? So what she was doing wasn't illegal. She, she's allowed to do that the same way you're allowed to dive for a loose ball. But she was being fucking reckless. And when that ball spilled, because of course it did, And it went everywhere. And the exact thing that I was worried about happening from her being reckless happened. Well, then I was upset. That's what happened with Marcus Smart. There's not a rule that says you can't dive for loose balls. And I understand the effort. But if you're diving at someone's legs, that's reckless. And if you hurt somebody while being reckless, there is fucking accountability, Mark. There's accountability. So, you know, I agree with Draymond. I get it. It was, Was he trying to hurt anybody? No, but was he acting in a way that kept those around him from being in reckless danger? No, no, he was not. And that justifies anger for me. You know, I, I, he's, he can play as, as, as hard and as long as he wants. I get it, but there's a disconnect here, you know. And so I won't call him dirty, but I'll call him reckless and bring it back to Zaza. Zaza wasn't reckless. Maybe he was clumsy. Fine, you know, I'll, I'll take that. If my kid had just dropped the bowl, if she she tried her best to hold it and just dropped it, I can't blame him, you know, but that's not what happened with Marcus Smart. And that's the distinction I'm, I'm drawing. What do you think?
3: Well, I think honestly, it's, you say tomato, I say tomato. We're saying the same <laughs> thing here. I think, the, I think Steve Kerr's reaction kind of encapsulate what Warrior fans may have thought initially and what they should think after the fact. Steve Kerr would, if there were no witnesses, maybe he would have punch Marcus Smart in the face, right? I don't know if I've ever loved Steve Kerr more than in those. He was, he was, he was very angry. Like I thought he was going to break a clipboard on him, smash it over the head. Um, You know, that was his reaction in real time. And after seeing the subsequent replay, but he talked things out with Marcus after the fact, and obviously it was a much different tone and context. My reaction, I certainly wasn't, you know, having the same, sort of investment that Steve Kerr has as a coach trying to stand for his guy. But when I saw the play, I thought, oh man, this is reckless. This is dirty. Marcus Smart should be suspended. But when I watch the replay over and over again, it was clear, you know what? Uh, Bad timing, right? Um, So yeah, it is dangerous, reckless, but I don't think that there was any ill intent. And I also think it's like, you know what? Like shit happens. It's terrible that as a result of it, Steph Curry has a foot injury. He might be out up until the playoffs, but I don't know what you can do after, you know, before that of how do you prevent, you know, a loose ball situation from festering into something like
2: this. Oh, I know. Stop diving at people's goddamn legs. He was was
3: diving at the ball.
2: No, I mean, he was diving at the ball by diving at people's legs. It wasn't, you know, at the risk of a, a very bad legal analogy. This wasn't murder in the first degree. He didn't have some intent. He didn't think before he got into the game, okay, I'm going to be hurting Steph. That that did not happen. And he didn't think it at the time of. That didn't happen either. But it was reckless manslaughter. It, it was like him getting hammered and driving down the street and he happened to hit somebody. You know, it, what, what he did had an unintended consequence, but it was a consequence that you could have seen coming.
3: Okay, so fair enough. What's the solution? Like Marcus is suspended <laughs> for the rest of the season or the playoffs? As long 20, as Steph what?
2: is hurt. For as long as Steph is hurt, Marcus Smart should not be allowed in. No, there isn't. Um, there shouldn't be a repercussion, right? O- outside of I think justified anger. But should should the league come in and step in? No, right? There's there's not a specific rule. You're right about that, you know. And and I don't think there is some kind of nefarious purpose. But when we're looking at this, the the big bright line I've seen drawn is. Was he dirty? Yes or no. And then there happens to be, okay, if he wasn't, we shouldn't be angry. If he was, we should be. I don't agree with that. I I think that, you know, that spectrum's not quite as black and white and I think there is a reason to be a little bit pissy about it. Um, Let me ask you this. It just came to me, but it's, and it's, and it's random as hell. But one of the things I remember thinking as it went down, rewind the clock, you know, let's go like mid nineties or even late, late eighties, but let's use Jordan mid nineties. That happens to Jordan. There's repercussions. You know, if it's Oakley, somebody, somebody does something to the opposing person um, who, who, you know, fouled Jordan in today's NBA. It, you know, so we know it didn't happen last night. There was no retaliation. And, and Draymond even joked about it. He said, look, if I thought I thought that was dirty, I would have gone head on into Marcus Smart. So we talked about it, but there was no retaliation last night. You don't have to give me a player or a team but do you think in any other team, any other scenario, there would have been a retaliation? You know, the, the, the fact that we saw nothing happen last night, is that the era we're in or is that the team? Is that just golden state? And we don't have anybody on that roster who would want to punish Marcus for making that decision.
3: Yeah. um, I think if it was Patrick Beverly against Russell Westbrook, there would have been retaliation. I mean, Pat Bev is already, you know, saying a bunch of stuff after the Timberwolves beat the Lakers and, you know, there is history where Patrick Beverly dove at Russell Westbrook's legs and he got hurt. Now, how about here's the difference? I don't think what Marcus Smart is the equivalent of what Patrick Beverly did. So maybe that's where I draw the distinction of why I'm not incredibly angry. I'm with you. It's dangerous. It's sure. reckless. Sure. But I think Pat Bev doing what he did to Westbrook a few years ago on a much different stratosphere. I would also push back against your analogy with Jordan that's happened to him plenty of times. Every member of the Detroit Pistons and the New York Knicks apply that kind of a treatment. You know what the repercussions were? Michael Jordan got a pair of free throws. He went (laughs) to the foul line.
2: In Oakley, <laughs> Oakley, too. I mean, and Oakley would give him a couple of hard fouls. I mean, I, I yeah. we, didn't, we didn't have any moments where he went out and like clothesline somebody immediately afterwards. But you could generally speak and follow the bouncing ball. Um, but that
3: I I guess that makes sense to me. Um but, but what I'll also add, I don't think that there's any retaliation from the Warriors end because at the same time there was so much going on to play. It led to that fast break with Clay Thompson. Right. And so there was just too much going on that. Initially, I don't think people in real time saw the Steph Curry incident. I yeah. mean, when you look at the play-by-play, people were talking about Clay Thompson's foul, Marcus Smart, and the officials called that play specifically. And then there was a reaction because they then showed the replay up on the scoreboard, and that's when Steve Kerr got pissed off. So maybe if they saw that in real time and it was a dead ball situation, maybe Draymond Green or someone else may have, interesting on something. Yeah. 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 So I think a lot of these things, the play itself, the aftermath, you hate to be crass about it, but a lot of it was just under the guise of stuff happens.
2: Yeah. And, and I will, I'll agree with you. So that Russell Westbrook pet Bev thing of memory serves both playoffs and basically a dead ball. I mean, like they, they, they had thrown the ball in but Westbrook was trying to call a timeout and Beverly was doing one of those unnecessary hustle plays where he was, he was trying to steal the ball during a timeout call. And then ends up, I think, tearing his meniscus, right? I mean, it was, he went right into his legs. So, in that setting, I agree with you. That was more dirty, but it doesn't mean that I forgive Marcus Smart anyway. I'm taking this hard, Mark. I'm, I'm basically I'm talking through it right now. You know what I mean? Like I, I've kind of saved some of these emotions for this microphone. So you got to give me some leeway here.
3: Well, how about this? I'll, I'll try to dampen your spirits. You're t- talking about it earlier in the podcast, how I was trolling you, bringing up LeBron James. Well, how about this? This will give you some source of comfort things could be a lot worse. The Warriors are not the Lakers. They're not <laughs> fighting to get in the play in Steph Curry's absence isn't going to result with the Warriors having to get into the playoffs winning without Steph Curry. They're automatically going to be in the playoffs. They're still among the contending teams in the West. They're not having to play with a terrible roster featuring Russell Westbrook and <sighs> leaning and having to have one of their sc- star guys – with the lakers for example with lebron james having to score 50 points just to get a win things could be a lot worse and the warriors you know as much as they don't want to be missing (laughs) Steph curry there is also the sense of it's a sigh of relief like what if this was a season ending thing and it isn't
2: no the um, so of course uh and anytime you shit house the lakers it does make me feel better so i appreciate you doing that uh and just as a random aside I don't watch full Laker games too frequently, but when I do, watching the unspoken communication between LeBron and, and Westbrook now is, is hard, man. It's like hanging out with a couple I've known, and you know that they're heading probably towards a divorce, and there's all this, like, unspoken F-you body language that that you can read directly, but, you know, you kind of try to stay out of.
3: But well, I get- you, have, you haven't missed anything. You've, you, there's only been two kind of Laker games this season, and unfortunately not to – you shut up. No, nope, I'm not letting you do it There's again. two versions. Do not bring that back LeBron up. James is playing out of his mind, a fine father time in 19 season, 37 years old. And as a result, they get a rare W, like against the Warriors. <laughs> Most of them are not like that. It is LeBron playing respectable, everyone else playing terrible. They get another L. So you haven't missed much.
2: I'm going to push this back to the Warriors because you gave me a perfect transition to this next question. So, as we sit here right now, today, here's the information, here's the logistics I have. And we've already mentioned some of it. Steph's hurt. Well, all we got was the x ray news. I know he had an MRI last night. And then the stuff I saw from both Shams and Woj said that the x rays showed no further damage. So, I don't know if they're just conflating that with the MRI or if we're still gonna get MRI news. But as far as has been communicated, it's a left foot injury, there's no major structural damage. And Woj, as I've said earlier, thinks he might be able to come back mid-April. Playoffs start April 6th, and right 16th, now... 16th, 16th. 16th, sorry. okay. Um, right, so in mean, putting those two together, then the, the obvious suggestion is Steph should be back right about the beginning of the playoffs. Right now, the Warriors have 12 games left. They've played 70 games, and they are in third place. They're three and a half games up on Utah and Dallas. All right, Where do you think they enter these playoffs? 12 games from now. Who do you, you know, how, how do you think this season plays out now that Steph's no longer here?
3: Yeah. I think as a result of this, there's no opportunity that the Warriors can do where they climb up in the standings and supplant Phoenix and Memphis. Those two teams are really that good. And while, you know, the sun certainly would like Chris Paul back um, he's expected to come back at some point before the playoffs start. That being said, I don't think that the Warriors, uh, even though eight of their last 12 games are going to be on the road, I don't think that they're going to lose so much ground that all of a sudden they drop in the standings against Utah uh, against Utah, or even Dallas. Um, so in a way, I think they're going to be in this kind of purgatory where they're in the third seed. No matter what they do, they're not going to be able to make up ground no, no. matter Uh, whatever shortcomings they have with adjusting without Steph, it's not going to be bad enough where all of a sudden they're dropping. So as a result of that, I wouldn't be surprised that they kind of take the tack that the Clippers coach Ty Lou is taking right now. Uh, The Lakers are so terrible right now. And they have, I think a five and a half game lead as we speak over the Lakers for that eighth spot that Ty Lou was saying the other day uh, when I was at the Clippers game, that, as a result of that, he's been about, hey, just managing the roster and trying to find rest days for guys. Sure. I think that's might what be ha- what might be happening here. Obviously, Steph Curry is going to be out, but uh, I think that's going to drive the importance even more to keep Draymond Green on his minute restrictions right. since he just can't come back. Be very conservative with Clay Thompson when there's back-to-back. Sit him on some of those games. Uh, if Steph Curry is making progress – with him coming back, well, maybe not rush him, allow him to phase his recovery time with whatever practice time he's getting. Uh, and then also just see these things as windows of opportunities for larger roles for Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins apples to oranges, because the warriors, while I trust that they can get back in that championship window, it's just not the same yeah. as it was during the dynasty years. But um so w- when you look at comparisons of hey, you know Steph Curry had this in 2018 where he uh, was out with an ankle up until the playoffs. Um, you know Kevin Durant obviously the year before. It's not quite the same because they still had that extra star player to play with, and they don't have as many. They didn't have as many young guys as they do now. There is, I, I think, a reference point in a and a template of familiarity that you know, the Lakers, the, the Warriors coaching staff and their star players are used to. I think the additional challenge now is there's more inexperience and there's more youth of how do you make up ground in the short term. And as we saw with Draymond Green, apples to oranges because he's a different kind of player, but you saw some short-term success, success of them being able to hold the fort down and then some really bad long-term growing pains where it was clear, hey, they're never going to be the kind of, defensive team that they're going to be without Draymond. And I think here, that's what you're going to see with Steph. He is the, the guy that stirs uh, the offensive drink. And he is, uh, he is the system as Kevin Durant has said. So with that, there's going to be growing pains, but I don't think it's going to be significant enough where it's going to affect their placement in the standing. So I think this you'll lock in warriors nuggets for the first round of the playoffs. Um, maybe it could be better because look, I think that it was going to be setting themselves up to be playing Minnesota or the Lakers in the first round while those opponents themselves set them, you know, it's not a walk in the park. Those are just speed bumps, though. They would have beaten uh, either of those teams where, you know, look, I'm not going to predict that the Nuggets beat them, but there, isn't, there is a, a formula for, you know, look, Jokic is an MVP. MVP. Maybe Jamal Murray comes back. Michael Porter Jr. comes back. It makes it that more significantly challenging. But I think in fairness to the Warriors, they're going to get past the Nuggets anyway as well. I hope
2: you're right both fold. I hope you're right in the postseason. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then I also hope you're right for the regular season. Um, I'm worried, Mark. So this team already had lack of consistency before Steph got hurt. We had one, like not even a full game, like three quarters of the big three being back together and they were going to, they needed, not, not going to, they needed these last 12 games to figure out roles and rotations and, you know, what's the best punch you can throw in the playoffs. And now that's all off the table, you know, and that's going to affect them in the postseason. Absolutely. They're going to have to learn on the fly again when Steph comes back and it's sure as shit going to affect them over these next 12 games. So unless there's a big leap and it's not impossible, you know, Jordan Poole has shown some leaps. We know what Kaminga can do. You know, maybe we'll get something out of Moody, although he's hurt now too, but unless somebody makes a big jump over these 12 games, I am worried about them sliding back. Now that first game placement, if, you know, if they go into the four or five sleeve, now they're, they're, they're facing Utah or they're facing uh, Dallas or they do that three, six matchup. None of those are the matchup you were just talking about. You know, like maybe we could have gotten, we're in the second seed. So it's not a huge difference, but I think they could slide back. And this lack of consistency thing, I was worried about that already before, you know, before Marcus Smart was reckless. Um, And now I'm really worried about it, which, which,
3: yeah, go ahead. I mean, am I I off base on this? No, I think 100% you're hitting all the buttons. And look, like my position was my position as far as. From a practical standpoint, things aren't going to change. They're staying in third slot. But, yeah, big picture, there is a huge domino effect because Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, look, they may have won three NBA championships and five finals appearances together, but they've played 11 total minutes uh, ever since the return. There was a a foul. uh, They've gone through a stretch where they did not play together for a 1,005 days. And I think that for them, it should be fine. It's muscle memory. They've, it's like riding a bike. It's like clockwork. But this is an entirely different roster here. So yep. while maybe Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson don't collectively mean, need time together to foster their own chemistry, it's everyone else of how do they adapt – to the new rotation in the new role. And then I think the second consequence is that as much as, you know, again, to my earlier point, that it's not like Clay and Draymond need to know what it's like to play as a trio together, but it's going to shift the burden on them even more when they don't need the burden on them. Uh, Right now, Draymond Green is on a minutes restriction. Clay Thompson's been handled with care all season because he went through a two and a half stretch without, playing any basketball because of an injury to his left knee with the ACL and the right Achilles tendon. And the, the idea that they're going to, you know, shoulder an additional workload is, is not a good thing um, because you never want to have a scenario where all of a sudden, heaven forbid something happens to them from a standpoint. And also you never want to have something were to happen where just stay Steph is about to come back. All of a sudden, either those two players have something that affects their oh, availability. I, so I, there is very much a, a very real concerning trickle down effect that we'll see how it plays out. I
2: loved your Tyron um suggestion that you spend these next 12 games treading water, making sure everyone's okay. Uh, the, the, there are things in like medicine, you hurt your left foot and you can develop a right foot overcompensation injury. You know, you start you start leaning way more to the other side. I'd be really worried they develop a clay or Draymond overcompensation injury. You know, don't do yeah. that. We gotta, we gotta just just tread water. Stay in these positions, which leads to our last question. Although, you know what? Let me let me throw this out. Um, I skipped over this segment so that we can get to the to the five golden, but. We normally do the glass half full. Look back at things we like, we don't like. I'll give you something I don't. So in that first game when everyone was back, Draymond's return. I um, mean, Draymond didn't start and he shouldn't have. You know, they they wanted to save those those twenty minutes uh, in case they need him at the end. But everybody's waiting for for Steph. Clay and Dre to be on the floor together. And fine. Doesn't happen the first few minutes. I get it. But it felt like fucking Kerr was trolling us. It's like he would make these substitutions at the last moment. Be Like, Nope, Nope, we're not doing it yet. And it it was driving me crazy. I know that they ultimately did it. I know it means nothing now, but uh, we mentioned Kerr and it popped up. Here's our last question. And I'll, I'll take it and then turn it to you because it's your answer that uh, that really matters. But here's the question. What are our expectations, our postseason expectations now for Golden State following Steph Curry? And as I promised, I'll go first. So it's changed. Um, I, I didn't say it out loud a lot in these last few weeks, but certainly now that Draymond was back, my expectation was contender. If not favorite, absolute contender. And if they didn't get to the Western Conference Finals, I would have been disappointed, very disappointed. And secretly when they made it to the Western Conference Finals, I would have been sitting around waiting for a Chris Paul injury and thinking that the Warriors were going to the finals. My expectations now have changed. I no longer view them as as immediate contenders. I view them as Cinderella's with a puncher's chance. Here's what I mean. When they come back, I mean, you know, Steph's coming back, right? Let's assume that he'll be 100%. Their talent still speaks to me, you know, And, and do they have the talent to beat anyone out there? Sure. They've got a puncher's chance. They could beat those guys but without the runway we were just talking about to figure out their consistency and their rotations and the roles that these guys were going to play that contender status is is so man you know that now they've got to lean on on talent which again is a puncher's chance so we'll see um We'll see, and I've I've almost gotten to the portion where I'm overcompensating humongously. Like I'm trying to tell myself, if they go to the playoffs and they lose, well, good thing, good thing, because uh, Kuminga will get all this experience in the postseason setting, and these next twelve games, these guys will, you know, will figure out what role they can play. But that's all just, you know, me trying to make uh, chicken salad from chicken shit. It's it's a hard thing to justify. But you, right? April 16th rolls around. What are your expectations for this scene in the postseason?
3: Look, it's, it's a great unknown because I think the the number one variable is the same variable. That's a cliche for every team. It's health. And here with the Warriors, we don't know the answer to that. I think prior to Steph Curry's injury, I had felt that they were the favorites to get out of the West. And I thought that they win would win the title, but that wasn't guaranteed. I think, you know, pre-Steph uh, Curry injury, it was a feeling that it's the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns, they're going to lock up in the Western Conference Finals. But you know what? You flip a coin, it could really go either way in a seven-game series. There are some people around the league that favored the Suns because they had just come back from the finals. They have that size advantage with having DeAndre Ayton and JaVale McGee as a good backup. Warrior fans know about the value of JaVale McGee where you look with the Warriors – They don't really have a center. James Wiseman hasn't played a single game this season. Kevon Looney is a great reserve, but, you know, can he be the main guy? Draymond Green's a great center, but, look, he can also play different positions. Do you want to overextend him that much? But I always lean on the fact that they have Steph Curry, they have Draymond Green, they got Klay Thompson. They can play small ball, and they have, uh, I think, you know, a really good foundation where maybe they have the inexperience collectively as a team compared to the Phoenix Suns, but that trio of Steph, Draymond, and clay they've been there, done that, and that can trump whatever uh, advantage the Suns have from their recent experience right. in the finals. But here, uh, they still have that pathway, but I'm with you that it's now a puncher's chance. I don't think that uh, it's so dire that the Warriors are going to be losing the first round, but depending on matchups, they could be vulnerable in the second round. Uh, Let's make it very clear. I don't think that they lose to any team in the Western Conference unless it's the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies. But those teams are very for real. And even with uh, the Warriors being at full health, there was always this idea that those teams still had a a puncher's chance against the Warriors. And now uh, it it would seem like they would have the advantage. But look, Steph Curry is the best shooter of all time. If he is healthy – Uh, That's obviously a game changer for better and for worse. So we'll have to see. And I think that's why uh, this next month, it's all about not rushing them back, trying to tread water, the Ty Lue comparison with the Clippers. The only challenging thing here is this. While I don't think that the Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks can make headway to supplant the Warriors. um, It's a much different circumstance than the Clippers where the Lakers have been a, a God awful mess there's so much of a disconnect between the 8th and the ninth seed that that gives Tai Lu a little bit more flexibility, where in the Warriors' case, there is much more of a gray area. I yeah. don't think it's enough of a gray area where the Warriors, again, are going to fall in that fourth spot, but they also can't take it for granted.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, these are all um, lucky problems to have. This, this podcast could have been a funeral. You know, if, if we were coming back and this was major damage, we're not just talking about this season, but Steph has some long recovery. You know, there's a chance he misses time next year. This would be catastrophic. It'd be awful. That's not what we're doing. You know, so it, it's a different thing. There, there's there's an, another side to this coin where it's relief. And, you know, if not optimism, at least it's not, I don't know, catastrophic pessimism. You know, but yeah. but there is. I mean, it's it what a roller coaster of a season, Mark. Yeah. You know, I, I go into the year. Yeah. Be fifth seed. Great. You know, I've got no expectations. 20 games in this team is, you know, they're, they're on pace for 70 wins. What an incredible year. Then, then they lose Draymond and we're panicking then they get Steph and Draymond and clay back for a glorious, you know, not even 48 minutes. And I can see that title favoritism, you know, slowly forming, and then right before I can, I can really enjoy that. Marcus Smart decides to carry a bowl of cereal over his fucking shoulder, and now, you know, now my my favorite player on earth isn't coming back till mid-April. Um, give me a prediction. So because you put, and I I appreciate you for doing it. You were you were gentle with both me and the listeners, but. By saying the Warriors can beat almost anyone in the West, except for Memphis and Phoenix, what you're saying is they can win the first round, but they're probably going to lose in the second. So, you know, where do you think? How far do they go? Who, who is in the Western Conference Finals, do you believe?
3: Well, here, here's the thing. I was trying to stress. It's a foregone conclusion, even with the Warriors' weaknesses. They're winning the first round. There's no upset there. Yep. Uh, with the Grizzlies and the Suns, they can beat. Uh, both of those teams even now, it's just not as a, much of a certainty yeah. as it would be, you know, during the dynasty years and even before this Steph injury. I think before this Steph injury, as much as the Grizzlies are for real, uh, they're a team that their championship window is going to start next season because, like, yep. they're not the cute up-and-coming team, but, look, they haven't gotten past the first round yet. There are steps, But now, because of this injury, it's changed. And the Suns, prior to this injury, uh, I think it's flip a coin, seven-game series. So there's a lot of gray area, and we don't know the answer to that, unfortunately, because this this injury to Steph, uh, they don't have all the specialist feedback, number one, but we also don't know how this is going to play out in real time. And yeah, it's going to be a stressful month for Warriors fans, but... I don't think it's the end of the world, but it's also going to be these things where day-to-day you're going to be pulling your hair out because you're going to have a lot of elation of, you know, them rising the occasion of winning games and then a lot of stress of, yeah, We could really use stuff right now and we don't know like what the ratio of that's going to be. That's, that's the unknown here.
2: I'll always have your support. I can reach out to you. And you can remind me how LeBron put up 56 on my favorite team and, and just rip my heart out yet again. You know what I can't handle? I cannot handle watching Dylan Brooks celebrate on chase center. if They beat us in a, in a (laughs) playoff series. I mean, we're not there yet. We can, we can jump off that bridge when we get to it, but just that concept, man, I'm sweating profusely right now. Just thinking about it.
3: Oh man. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I don't want to say it's not going to happen because we don't know, but, but I, I will say this as I, it's not ideal, obviously. And because of the timing where Draymond's just coming back, the idea of trying to accelerate his minutes restriction is fool's gold. I think that they need to stay true to that. But I think as much as the warriors and their fans were thinking about this last month and how much of a struggle it was, I think they need to have this reminder of, hey, if nothing else, Draymond Green's at least back to shore up the defensive issues. So after these first few games of minutes restrictions and adjusting to life without Steph, it's really going to come down to how much can they tap into their defensive identity because that's what's going to drive everything. They can't rely on Steph anymore with his offensive brilliance. So it's really going to go down to – Draymond's the engine that stirs the defensive drink. So let's really be that grinded out mentality uh, to ensure that improving. And that's going to fuel the offense with, you know, them getting stops. Draymond going to be able to be a playmaker, but, you know, as much as it's nice to have clay um, as a dependable shooter, he's not the same as Steph of like Cree and his own shot. So it's really going to have to come down to how good of a defensive team can this team be. But fortunately, they got the best defensive player on their team now with Draymond.
2: Look, I, I can't spend multiple years screaming into this microphone that Steph Curry is one of the most talented basketball players I've ever watched play, and then tell you I'm fine now. I'm not. You know, they lost a huge piece. Of course it's going to impact them. But also they have other pieces. And then at the risk of repetition, perspective, man. I mean, that's what you're saying. Well, your fans who are freaking out right now, zoom out. You know, look from a much larger perspective. Uh, this, you're right. You know, this isn't a dynastic team right now. It's not the 2017 Warriors. Also, it's not the Cohan Warriors. It's not the current Lakers. It's not who they could have been had Steph really suffered a real major injury. This could have been an entirely different scenario. So, you know, all, for as long as we're lamenting the bad, also be aware of the good because, you know, this thing could have gone a hell of a lot worse. Mark, I missed you. It's good to see you, man. Um, although it looks like you're recording in an entirely dark room, whose only
3: light's coming from your computer. I mean, like, are
2: you not allowed to turn on the lights in your house or something? What's going
3: on over there? Yeah, I got I got a ring light behind here. Oh, I guess it's not strong yeah. enough, but it was. It was it's yeah. Like- I mean, I I don't have the beautiful uh, you know lamps at the Marriotts uh, with the <laughs> with the very colorful paintings behind me, but you know what? I'll, I'll make do.
2: <laughs> That's why you're a professional, my friend. I am sure. I'm not the only one who enjoys your presence. If people need more Mark Medina in their life, where should they go?
3: NBA.com, uh, Twitter handle Mark G underscore Medina, Instagram Medina Syracuse. Um, as you guys know, I'm based in Los Angeles, but I'll be coming up to San Francisco for that warrior Suns game, on uh, March 30th. See what that's all about. And look, uh, I think it's safe to say the warriors are in the playoffs. So I will be in San Francisco for that playoff run. We'll just see how it plays out. So there'll be a lot of warriors, uh, coverage uh, that I'll be writing about.
2: You'll be here, hopefully. You'll hear that coverage on the huddle. Also, you and I will be grabbing a drink, but we don't have to share that on air for us. You can reach out, get any, any golden questions you have. Let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. To our Gmail account, our uh, email account, which is huddled at warriorshuddle.com. Our Twitter account remains at Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hang in there. I think we'll be all right. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you next week.
3: Good, good.